Hello, everyone. Today, we have Andrew Barkidja. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Nico. Yeah, happy to you? have you. Good, good. We're, um, this is an impromptu episode, ladies and gentlemen. That said, most of these podcasts, in the beginning at least, they just start with this is the being the first conversation I've had with a person for a certain number of months, weeks, maybe a year or two, maybe years. doesn't matter. Uh, it's just so it's interesting how we how we can still do this and, and still have have a, a casuality to this. So we don't need a pre-interview sometimes. And <clears throat> it's more fun. It's raw. Yeah, absolutely. It's a genuine yeah. conversation. Yeah, that's the goal of all this, man. I mean, like I was telling you before, the, I mean, I didn't really know why I wanted to do this podcast at first. I kind of knew that it was mainly because I was having really limited conversations as because right. I see about six people a day and, uh, and those people don't like to talk very much because their daily life is genuinely that, but I'm used to, you know, my family at school being right. out just in more in society, living on a ranch, you're isolated as hell. Well, so yeah, no, I mean that, yeah, you're also working by yourself, right? You're not necessarily having a partner. Um, or do, yeah. or do, you, do you work? It's It changes, like, depending on what you're doing. So there's there's some where, like, all morning, I'm alone, pretty much. There's there's certain moments That's crazy. where I'll, I'll either meet up with someone or I'll have to go ask a question or anything. Or um, mm-hmm. There's now, because of what we're – the specific feeding, we have where I have to bring two guys to for a specific part because we have to hand feed these bales of hay. Mm-hmm. So there has to, yeah, it's, um, so that part, there's a little interaction, but other than that, I mean, from eight to eight thirty, there's a little bit of conversation there. And then from eight thirty to eleven forty-five, I'm not really talking to anyone. So I just listen to podcasts or music pretty much most. Yeah. all the whole time. Yeah. Well, definitely they stop. These podcasts are a great way then of course to have a conversation, but also have a, meaningful one too mm-hmm. you can just dis- you can discuss things about like private life in the i don't know what it would call it, the preview section before it's recorded and then yeah kind of the pre-podcast actually get it and then yeah and then kind of uh pick up in a more deeper conversation when yeah. you actually hop you, it on the ball gets rolling before in that mm-hmm. in that you know how this is going to go as far as uh back and forth and casuality of it you know, how stressful you might be. Like if there's an interview style, right. you you know, if you have this little conversation before you see, all right, this person asks, you have to open them up to that question more, just depending on people, but you're a pretty yeah. conversational guy. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I haven't, I must admit though, like I, I know I was on a podcast with Byrne, mm-hmm. I think back in September, October, mm-hmm. but um, other than that, I'm not usually um used to speaking in public or at least a recording of my voice so yeah um this is a new experience for me too being on, on it alone so you know forgive me if, if i you know mis- mistakenly say something <laughs> this is that's mis- mispronounce something yeah. i don't know well that's but that's i'm excited the... i'm excited to be here hey happy to have you on man yeah this is it's fun um it's weird though. You, you mentioned that the whole public speech versus like recording of a conversation, because this could go out to three people and that's it. So I'm, it could be as though I'm speaking to those three people, but I'm not, I'm still talking to you. 
versus if I were to have, I, I was, um, I've listened to, you know, debates online and stuff. And I, I've heard this topic before of the difference between not a debate, but a public conversation versus mm-hmm. a podcast and how when you're uh, in public, you know, you're in front of an audience. So right there, the dynamic changes. You just added a third element that is all these people listening to you and the interaction that you're having with the, the person and you, and then also this, this uh, interact, how they're going to, or how the crowd is going to um, applaud, maybe boo, maybe kind yeah. of rustle or ooh, and right. say certain things. Well, you gotta, yeah, yeah you, yeah, you gotta account for that audience for sure. Um, mm. I mean, that's a, that's a stage skill almost. Yeah. Um, and kind of being somewhat involved in theater, you know, like my brother does ballet. Um, and so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm involved in that, in that world, you know, a decent amount. And so I used to dance myself. So I kind of, I kind of know that it's a weird feeling trying to engage the audience, but at the same time, like you might have to be interacting with, with, you know, with someone on stage. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a weird space. It's just, it's definitely a skill or, you know, some people are born with that talent, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough skill to, it's a tough skill to learn. Definitely. It's, um, well, a big one, for example, will be, obviously there's, you know, academic debates, you know, intellectual debates. Those tend to get heated though. There's also where there's interviews and in, in public interviews they'll do with people. And even those, um, can just be so structured almost you have questions memorized the interviewer will tend to have mm-hmm. questions memorized and the interviewee usually has has a pretty rapid fire answers or even or well thought out answers for the questions maybe they know those questions in advance mm-hmm. but and then there's comedy there's also that element or even theater obviously theater is still acting so you're kind of in, you're you're involved more in the the current act not necessarily I guess that's not true. Sometimes you do. There, there's there's a mix, but comedy really does feed off entirely. Oh right, off right off the audience. No, absolutely. Yeah. Would you consider? I was going to ask you. Would you consider like talk show hosts uh, a form of public speaking, or like the, what you were referring to having like that public audience? I think so. Well, that that's another thing because I the I've. So I listen to Joe Rogan's podcast a lot, but I've also watched, I watched this comedy store documentary that was recommended and they talk about the specific thing about talk shows. And I would say, yes, I would, I would say that they, they're not genuine. Honestly, That's what it feels like. That's not necessarily true all the time. If you watch Bill Burr on Conan mm-hmm. or something, that guy is just telling you exactly how he feels about something. There's certain, certain people right. like that, but there's also a lot of, you know, just showing your face in public, really. Yeah, I think it is a public speech thing. I think the the limit, the cutting off of that that third wall, seems like the, the podcast can be the most genuine. But yeah, I would say, I don't know. It seems like a weird. It used to be the only way that you know public individuals could get out there, other than be part of whatever they're outside of their general work. So if you're, you know, an actor or actress, mm-hmm. you're, you're in movies a lot. And then you're on, you're on, you know, the red carpet, all these, all these other um, things related to movies. And I guess right. you could say talk being on the talk show is similar in that 
it's because you're an actor that you're there, but you're also mm-hmm. an actor. You're an individual person, and that's an element of who you are. So yeah. how much? So yeah, well, there's I'm a crazy thinking, differentiation. I'm thinking though that like the red carpets and and, and the galas, like those are. Like, yes, those are public appearances, but you're not actually asked any questions. And but, but mm-hmm. aside from, you know, a basic maybe TV interview of who made the dress you're, you're wearing, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I feel like if it's an actual talk show host, I mean, those go on for, you know, up to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. that's more public speaking because it's going to be broadcasted and you got to prepare yeah. and you can't stumble. But like, if you're having a conversation just on the red carpet with, I don't know, just a photographer. It's not going to be a, yeah. a public thing necessarily. So I, th- I think that's even a, a harder thing. And I don't know. I'm I'm not an actor myself, so I don't know what it's like if there's a if it makes it easier being an actor because you're used to, um, you know, enunciating well, projecting well. Um, but but then again, interviews you know require you know being comfortable with the questions as well. So I don't know. It's 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 definitely a lot to. Um, you know, consider in terms of public speaking. Yeah. I think the interviews could be more individual thought. They could be more like, what did you mm-hmm. think about the movie? Like, no, yeah. that was pretty good. <laughs> it was versus, oh, right. versus in, in others, in other cases, well, there's also the element of, of, um, sorry, of to switch back to the talk show versus TV interview on, on the carpet of, um, on the TV interview, that is that is impromptu. That is also um, being projected. I guess they're both being projected, but I think the third, the another element of the talk show is that you're with a live audience most most cases. So you yeah you have that interaction again. That there is the you hear the clapping and you're like oh well I guess I'll laugh too. And there's there's an earned friends. They have all those shows too like that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, right, right. They're, they're, what are they called? Sitcoms? Yeah, sitcoms. I think they're called sitcoms. But yeah, yeah, they have the, the, the audience. They tell them when to clap, when to yeah. laugh. There's applause sign. There was that... Um, I've never been... Have you ever been to one? I've never been to one. I've never been to a sitcom, a live sitcom thing, but I went to a Jeopardy one time. And Oh, you uh, have? A Jeopardy cool. Live. Yeah, yeah. It was like... I think it was college students. Um, It was pretty cool. It was in D.C. And you would see... <laughs> there's a science on i think on basically any angle you can see but above the stage and they would mm-hmm. they would turn light up and it would say applause <laughs> and so you, if that's cool if you want you start applauding at that time because you don't want to be applauding while they're at like alex trebek was asking a question which was no, really cool well, by the way seeing him but yeah you don't want to start yeah, clapping woo, like right no, in the middle not. and he's, and he's talking no, they, 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 i mean that's all cute too yeah <clears throat> that's uh that's a good that's a good show though mm-hmm. yeah it's too bad now though he's he passed away Alex no Schreiber. i know that was, was a long time standing there i don't mm-hmm. know how many 40 50 50 I, I, I don't know it was a while though 50 or more yeah i tell you those questions though, are not easy no no you know my dad was on jeopardy actually no way yeah yeah like, he, a, uh, like with alex trebek yeah in the i think in the 90s is there a clip of it? Yeah, yeah. I can – I mean, I don't think I can – I guess I can – I can't you find can't it show, right but, now. but, I mean, that's, that's – Yeah, yeah. It has wow, the whole cool. whole episode with him, yeah. I, I have the recording of the episode now sent to me, which is pretty cool. What, seeing him – my dad looks so young in that, too. It's really funny to see him. I'm sure. But, Alec, sure. yeah, 
the questions How are complex. Get on there? I think it, you it's there's like preliminary rounds or something. He had to probably there's probably trials or something like that. I can't remember mm-hmm. exactly okay. how he, be, he yeah. I think he told me it was something like that. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Think, yeah you don't just walk up process. and just say, no, know. definitely not. <laughs> and you're not, you're not like picked out of a, of, of a out of a hat. Either. Yeah. Yeah. That's of, for sure. You, you yeah, probably yeah. earned that, that way to get there. Right. Absolutely. But um, yeah, those questions are complex. Those are, that's another crazy thing is cause you're, that's not an interview. Mm-mm. I guess it's it's a type of interview in that I ask you a question, you have an answer, and you better answer this in the way that you know fits best because of the you know it's like what it but it's different because it's Jeopardy's way more it's, into into yeah, specifics and, and knowledge. It's asking about what do you know about this subject? So it's different in that case. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I I would probably not classified as an interview. But, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I don't it's, think uh, it's necessarily a, a, it's not thought of as an interview. I was just saying in that the top, the, there's an overarching category here. I don't know what <laughs> you name it, but it's the, the premise is back and forth conversation and, mm-hmm. and or, or question and answering, not conversation necessarily. Cause this is a conversation. This is, we're talking right. about something, and we're allowed to elaborate it however we feel necessary. Mm-hmm. But but in Jeopardy, that is like the most basic form. You know, there's because for example, this is subjective, what we're doing. We are we are able to uh, present something. I can present something, you present something that that has a certain positioning or perspective on a subject, and um, we're allowed to elaborate on that. We're allowed to you know, have, have a stance to change it on hear others and Mm -hmm. versus, versus in jeopardy, it's, you know, what is the capital? That's very one-sided. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, to to, to that end, it's a similar, you know, it's a one word answer. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you better be right. I mean, there's only, it's either a right or wrong answer too. And that, and that's actually an interesting part of that, you know, format is, it's right or wrong. And in a conversation, there's not necessarily like a right or wrong answer that someone is looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of, you probably have a little more free will. I, you definitely have free will in terms of a conversation or at least a, an interview over like Jeopardy. Yes. Well, are you saying interviews as something like this? Or are you saying interviews as well, a live mean, audience? Cause that's where it changes. Even that. Yeah. But yeah, I guess, even with a live audience, though, I mean, you think still, so? You still, well, if they're asking about your experience, like, yeah, you can answer it in any way you would like, unless obviously it's geared, it's going to be focused in on something. That's um, the thing. But then again, you can, you can still, you can still, I guess you still have a constraint, but you can still choose out of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I would know. say, with regards to that, that when you interview someone famous, for example, that tends to be successful, popular, or whoever, someone well achieved. Someone who's worth interviewing, those people are interviewed for a specific reason. So there will be a certain time of the year, you know, where where it's either celebrating uh, something or or maybe it's a a workshop. There's people like like we had Samuel Ojale, you know, and he Mm -hmm. came and had a a little version of an interview in a sense in the beginning. And like something like that right there. He's the reason he's there 
is because of his knowledge through his athletic experience and his wisdom through his athletic experience. And we're, we were all athletes at that, at that uh, experience. And um, right there, he's not talking about his life necessarily. He's not talking about no. what he thinks about, uh, about talking to people. He's talking about um, what he learned and how, how he applied it and mm -hmm. different mentors, all these different like influencing factors of his perspective of leadership. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it was a narrow specific. Your question is, yeah, I guess it's about, it just all depends on what kind of questions are asked. Yeah. Um, so. Or like RBG when she came to Amherst. Ruth Bader yeah. Ginsburg. That was you know a great. That? that was a, she was great. Was, I, I uh, couldn't go, but I you were there. Oh yeah, where were you? No, I, I think I had class. That was my biggest thing. I was saying oh, I could was, just could not oh, it go. It was an early one. Yeah, yeah, it was an early one. I, I had that. afternoon classes, which sucked, and then also sucked because I couldn't see Ruth Bader Ginsburg. All right, but that's all pre-COVID, kind of crazy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's that long ago. Yeah, that's been a weird thing. Is um, like imagine a you know a whole uh gym full of people now <laughs> over a no. hundred people in a little <laughs> like it's just and obviously i don't know how many people were at that public conversation oh, it was, it was probably room. like 400 damn yeah so. and even I mean, there she had a reason to be there it wasn't it wasn't that you know what was your experience solely i guess for her it was i can't remember what the interview specifically was because i obviously wasn't there but i'd heard enough about it and uh, read about it and stuff that I get the idea, but um, I'm blanking now where she was it. Like, there was a reason she came. Uh, she had some sort of, of connection. Yeah. yeah she had some, some, some sort of connection. I forget what it was as well. Um, but no, we were, we were definitely fortunate, very fortunate yeah. to, to have her. Cause I mean, I'm sure it was one of her last um, public speaking, at yeah. least with the university, like with the, with, with, the, with the campus. It was probably one of her last, yeah, um, because then she had a obviously she had all a lot of court stuff back in uh, back in DC. I'm sure mm -hmm. she she was busy. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, with with you know, we can touch on COVID probably a little bit. There's still restrictions here, but hopefully everything is on the right track to be to be open. I mean, I'm hoping this is over soon. Are you saying in the in the whole country or your own state? Because I guess it's different throughout each state too. Well, yeah, but I was just I, I'm just saying the situation in general. Like I just want it to be over, know, over, and hopefully with vaccines out and stuff, it'll 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 die down. But you know, who knows? Everything, every state's different, like you said. So yeah, every state's different, and also, um, vax or viruses are really complex so yeah. there is an element of of um the possibility but i, I don't know enough about virology or any of this stuff and isn't as that far neither as do clinically. i i'm not in that yeah but this field. is this is an interesting like speculation is that how uh how effective will this vaccine be you know will it rid us of of this uh virus entirely i mean have we seen uh -huh. have we seen viruses that that we do get vaccine for that go away 
that's my my thing is like it'll just it'll just become a lower level will it come down to flu it'll be the measles these shots that you just get because you can because they're still made yeah. and they can avoid the thing or is this something so different from any of the other viruses that have existed in the world that for example the fact that it spreads so easily i mean at some point yeah. You think it could always be like that? I mean, maybe this vaccine, you know, there's a variant, there's mutations of this virus and that the reach of that type uh -huh. of virus can reemerge. I'm like, fuck, man, if that's really the case and we stay with the same ideology of just constantly waiting for a vaccine to work, what's going to happen? Well, Uh, I mean, that's, uh, that's a tough question to see how, you know, efficacy of the, of the vaccines, I, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. first of all, they're all different. So they all have different ways, but I think you were kind of alluding to a more yeah, a grander picture um, mm -hmm. in terms of will it actually go away in terms of the effects of the virus and all the you know restrictions and economic, you know, problems that it's caused. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would think, I would think if we, if, if it was something along the lines of you know, polio or like you said, measles, like those don't really affect anything. And I'm sure I think, I think on an average, um, like on a timeline, it took us quicker to get the COVID vaccine than most, if not all of the major, you know, sicknesses out yeah. there so I, I think you know getting a vaccine in probably like a year is pretty, so it's pretty short time so uh no well, hopefully with the with our day and age in medicine i, I would probably that's the uh, thing you're weighing a lot of different factors right into how this is going to affect our life like are we going to move on from this because of how awesome science is now well, or are we gonna, so. that's what i fucking hope <laughs> i mean that's my that's my biggest uh biggest hope right now because the reason that I'm in the current situation that I am is because of this virus and because of what, what came of this virus, which was mm -hmm. um, a lack of um, person, personal contact with, with, uh, with my professors, with my teammates, with my coaches, other mentors, advisors, and mm -hmm. with school, and then also with friends back home, you know, possible bosses and, and coworkers, and then other family, all those different things. This, this is why I'm on a ranch in Wyoming in, yeah, in, right. in April. It wouldn't, right. If you told me, you know, over a year ago, that you're going to be working on a ranch for a whole year and you're going to graduate in 2023. That idea just never crossed my mind as, as far as no. wanting to have, have had such a shift. Um, but that's, that's also, I mean, that's, that's, the kind, I mean, it's a silver lining and I, as that's not the way I try to look at things. Most things at least in, in, in my life is, you know, there's always got to be some sort of benefit or perhaps if not benefit oh, then 100%. like a silver lining it is it is a silver lining so in, in this case you get we're, we're able to with online school or with the ability to take semesters off we're able to do things that we would not normally have done in a traditional um, school year so it's obviously it has it's, it's terrible consequences um and everyone's affected by it differently but uh, at least for me, I try to I try to take some some good out of it. I spent more time with my family. I spent more time focusing on things I don't usually have time to focus on. Um, so 
yeah, it's just, it's just, I think it's been a long, it's been a long adjustment. I think people are tired of it. And so hopefully we're kind of, we've passed that low point and we're on our uh, upward trajectory. That's, that's my hope. Mm-hmm. I hope so too, man. I think, I think um, there's a lot that I agree also with your, your sentiment about defining the positives. I mean, I'm on a ranch in Wyoming, man. <laughs> there's, there's two ways I could f- put that right there. I, I can put it as the absurd and I can put it as this is such a cool, this is probably the coolest experience of my life as of now. I mean, as of my 20 years, it's this so is, far. I mean, exactly, exactly. This is right now though. This is the coolest it is based on what can happen based on what I'm yeah. given. Exactly. Like the yeah. delt, I had a certain hand and it was either take online classes and be at mm-hmm. home or be away from home or on campus and not, it's just it's different. I guess we couldn't yeah. do it in the fall, but it was things like that were, that I outweighed with the ranch. I, I was like, yeah, no, I couldn't. So no, yeah, I agree agreed. with you. And then being with family was a huge thing. I think um, was, I was phenomenal. I think also a big part was the relationships with my friends. I, ha- I, I strengthened, I feel like with certain mm-hmm. people, there sure. was, there was um, a much more solidified uh, unity that I felt with certain of my friends. There's some people who I, I became more distant with or yeah, more distant from. I, um, I maybe just didn't see certain people because they were friends, but it was maybe they were in passing type people or people who I would not necessarily have seen planning wise. Um, uh-huh. and maybe I would eventually, like, there wasn't always a gear, I guess. No, not that necessarily. It would be rare or occasional for those people. And I think if I see you once, twice a year, how often am I really going to see you in COVID? Probably not at all. And, and those people you keep in touch with to some extent, but you can't stay on your phone all day. You can't be texting and Snapchatting and Instagram no. DMing and every different thing. Like, I don't, that was interesting in that I first lost value in Snapchat. I still use it, but like nowhere near where I, yeah. I used to be with right. it. And then also I would, I would um, see friends at their at houses, you know, outside, very, very uh, permitting circumstances that were within the boundaries of comfort with, with COVID. So it was all, it was all different than that. I had these like hours and hour long, like many hour long conversations hours long of um with different people few people though you know it was it was not like i don't know i can i could count on like two hands probably the number of people that i consistently saw um but that's i mean that's part of also you know things are changing and totally well that's people are going in different directions yeah right exactly people are going in different directions and sometimes just out your past don't cross and i don't know if that's a testament necessarily to the strength of a friendship but definitely the current priorities or, you know, or something, or something else or something. That's different. what I was thinking. So I that's think not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing. I don't know how you take it, but. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's not, goes through that. I agree. I think it's not a bad thing or a good thing. I think that's why I was pointing it out though, is, is I can, I'm seeing it in a sense as a good thing in that. I see more so than a negative thing because I, I, the people I lost touch with, I don't hate them. There wasn't like I wanted them. I wanted them out my life. And this was like, oh, now's mm-hmm. a good time. Like I, I can get rid of some mm-hmm. people. It was more now I see the truth of 
it was like they were always the interaction was was faded there was it was never clear like in or mutually where this the, the situation as just as far as how boundaries worked with this people certain people it, it became clear during covid because you know that's where your priorities um socially could be made fully present to you like when you're in the regular swing of life before covid we were yeah. seeing people you could go anywhere and you could pass an old friend a classmate teammate someone who True. you may have really had a really good bond with for a certain period of time but your paths diverted for diverged for whatever reason so something like that right there those 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 little interactions that help continue the little spark of that relationship that you go oh well i saw yeah. him a couple of weeks ago and he's doing really well and then you yeah you may not see them for another weeks and then you randomly see them again because of a mutual friend like those little things were um subtracted i wouldn't say they were you know down to zero but there was for certain people especially but they were for me almost down to zero as far as um most of the most of the people i ended up seeing over the summer i would see, had seen them a lot by the end of the summer mm-hmm. in that sense and so it, it's it, it solidified those relationships and then it also yeah. made me aware of so other people i'm like well you're a good guy or girl whoever <laughs> it's but you're we don't have mutual friends so it even no, right, right there yeah, the possibility is limited you live well, far you, away. You don't do the other things that like I could just start doing, you know, play soccer with someone or another sport or mm-hmm. um, having mutual other activities that. Well, that's the thing. That's what COVID is really constrained is, you know, the opportunity to for common space to share with, you know, with, with these people. And if it was school that brought you, you know, together with someone, then it'd be school. But now, you know, you, we don't have campus, so we don't see a lot of that right there is probably the biggest constraint because of COVID is, is not having the opportunity to see the people um, because that was the only in common thing. Once I was taken away. Yeah. That was a crazy one. Impossible. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen you in almost over a year. Yeah. Unfortunately it has been already over a year. That's crazy. I haven't seen you. I haven't seen anyone in that house except Alex. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. uh, we lived wow. near each other. Well, that, that was be, the, yeah, that was, was a similar one thing. That's the crazy part. You're like, That's it. I just realized yeah. you categorize the ways. The original. It wasn't the original. Like, for example, you live close to each other. And for me, that might be even. No, I guess I guess school would be you, you'd be in closest proximity at school than at home. Yeah. But still. yeah, and we're like 30 minutes away um, at home. And also, I didn't know him <laughs> before before I went, came to Amherst. You know, it's not like I, our paths ever crossed. I, maybe once, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, and he knew friends of mine, and I know friends of his. But that that never got us to like the connection that Amherst did. So even yeah. there, um, True. without that, I think that's what. Yeah, it just. There's levels to relationships. That's what I just realized as we were talking about this, because there is ways of how you became close with that person or became the way you are with that person. So for you and me, it started with going to the same school and having to play, having played the same sport and meeting, Mm -hmm. you know, like a month before in person, 
that spurred the relationship for us and the mutual connection. Like the only thing I could have known about you other than your background as, as far as like school and where you're from, um, that's about it that I knew. <laughs> and, and, and then uh, where you played and like your position maybe. And then, yeah, I think then, I knew. So, so, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't much. We hadn't, we hadn't communicated much not at all, all. Um, before we actually got to campus, which I think is strange. I think it's not, it's not, it's not necessarily our fault just because we didn't, we weren't introduced to each other necessarily. Like we didn't have, oh, yeah. I guess camp was the first time camp. Exactly. That the month before. Camp was the first time. Yeah. That's, that was the first time. That was yeah. literally, we got thrown into the, <laughs> into the, into the dorm together. Six mm-hmm. of us into a circle yeah, we just and... talk and i remember that we sat down in, in jenkins in the suite yeah and just chatted for about figure out know. who was what yeah so yeah, it was like really. where are you from to name and and like shit you want to talk about or something like that it was it was yeah. not structured obviously but we just kind of figured yeah, it out from there the, we broke the ice and now look yeah where we are yeah That's crazy. it's it's a it's an interesting thing though we've been real as far as the teammates of um that circle is really tight i think in a weird way though like i've thought about this a lot when now that i'm alone (laughs) it's not actually Mm -hmm. i just have i have time to think about these kind of things and that's what COVID afforded me was um our relate like the biggest reason that it comes down to why we're all you know good friends as, as or had our circles so tightly knit together, like our daily schedules, a lot of everyone, we always saw each other at least once a day. And if we didn't oh, within least, our yeah. class, we would see each other another at, at night. There was almost a guarantee that at certain nights there was the per week we would, we would see each other. And obviously in the fall, we see each other every day guaranteed. Every day. Um, and right that right there, that was, it was like the way I think about it. I don't want to make it negative. This is, this is, I, I love the relationship I've garnered with you guys. I think you guys are awesome. However, I, the way it came out of like, damn, that sounds pretty negative. And it's that it was like forced. We were just thrown into this bowl of, of existence. And right. we just said, you all play on the same team now. And it's like, I, I didn't know who the fuck you were. I had no, no knowledge of who you are. I just was like, I hope they're cool. And then well, it right. worked well, you didn't out have really anything well. in common. You didn't have anything in common with us outside of the fact that we played soccer, but exactly. yet we didn't really, we hadn't even had our first practice yet. So no, I, I mean, that's basically saying you're a stranger, but you're, you're going to obviously get close to the stranger. And as you yeah. spend more time with them, you learn more about them. That actually brings me to um, a book that I've been reading that is uh, phenomenal. And it's uh, mm-hmm. I kind of straight off of it from uh, like a week, but back on it because it's such a good book it's um What's talking, it talking to strangers by malcolm gladwell it's a great author man he's um it's from i think it's in 2018 and it's about how we really struggle at first um talking to strangers and gathering information about a stranger from a conversation so mm-hmm. like unless they're they're i mean even then it's it's people who – we can't tell when we're being lied to, for example. There's that element, I think. Um, and when you for, – you, for example, gathering intentions. Like, I didn't know your – I could have told your intentions from meeting you. But if, if it's about – if I had been meeting you about, 
you know, gathering, if, if we were from two different schools and we were supposed to uh, bond because the fact that we were in the same conference or something is oh, like, completely there's, different. there's a, there's a point of reference that's different because we're, we're not agreeing on something and we may want something from you or the, if there's an exchanging of, of, of whatever information or knowledge or finances, whatever it's uh, the, the whole idea is this, this book um, talks about is different cases that are uh, meant that he brings up and how the, it's just cases of really bad, really poor um, assessments of an individual or a group uh, based on not enough information. There's a big part of that. And, and there's like reasoning behind based, it. Yeah. Like based on through conversation? Oh, okay. Real life cases. Like... No, cases and conversation. Well, there, there is based on conversation. Yes. In that these people are having conversations. But for example, there is the CIA getting sausaged by Cuba with them having, you know, over 100 double agents i think maybe 200 double agents like that's insane they got away with that they got away with two like hundreds of double agents from all the way wow. to the top of the dia which i cannot remember, department of internal affairs I believe and um mm -hmm. but and then this and amongst the cia i mean way up in there too and so they were they were they were double agents up yes that yes they show specific uh woman who was Cecilia, Cecilia, no, Cecilia Montez. I can't remember if it's that or something else, but she got way up. She was almost like a. Was she, was she like an informant for Cuba? Like man. She like was the, known like, as the, like queen the Bay of, Cuba. of Pigs, like the Bay of Pigs. Or I believe like, so. The like, thing were, is, did they, did they stopped, did they like help, um, hmm. you know, or did they, did they let the Cuban government know about potential attacks or about like information? Like, what, what was their specific? Did they like, they found oh. out that's how it happened. I mean, it was it was talking about it wasn't even the fact that it was that it was the specific woman, this case that she was known as the I think I think it was the queen of Cuba because she wasn't she was one of the um, agents working in Cuba, working out of Cuba and was doing really well. Mm -hmm. And um, on paper had been doing really well. And her she took you get like a time of leave and you go to one country and you just get to chill there. and something like that, I guess is how it works. I don't know if it's right. vacation type, but you know what I'm saying is that you get to experience uh, some other place in the world. And uh -huh. she went to Cuba and like that, the fact that there's no right there, I think Red there's no flags, consideration. Yeah, Why is she going back well, what to Cuba? Time was this? Well, what this was, time? um, I think it, Bay of Pigs was like the whole leading up to, I can't remember now. It's like the it was the eighties or nineties. Well, Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, I guess it was. Well, like that, that was in the sixties. Sixties. This was later on. I the can't remember 60s. now the time period. It was like the first thing of the book. The point is, is that this one, this specific woman, got um, they had an internal affairs kind of investigation, and they, when one guy had built up all this information, figured it out basically, and but he wasn't the guy high enough to be able to you know, do something about it that made it look like, you know, get away with it in that sense. Um, mm -hmm. It's someone else do it. And this person interviewed, not interviewed, but had an interview stop. And they, he said, we're having an internal affairs um, with you basically. And she was um, 
they, you see it the first time, like the way the guy describes it in the interview. And he says that he, he, she reacted very calmly and that she was not uh, phased and answered questions very comfortably. And then in, in there's like, I guess they'd recorded it. He would, he had uh, seen in hindsight because at one point there was overwhelming evidence. That's the whole thing they, they had. We default to truth with people. That's, this is kind of what this book highlights is, Okay. With most people we meet, we default to truth. We expect that we're they're not lying to us. They're transparent. Right. Um, and the only way that that uh, can be overturned is not because of an equal amount of truth about a person, but an overwhelming amount of truth about a person, a reality that that is shined on this person. Um, mm. Once you just can't deny the reality, the situation anymore. There's like your, your perspective, there's, there's other elements of the book that I'm blanking on now because I stopped for a couple of weeks that I, I definitely am going to continue and rereading it because it's just highlighting like very interesting parts of um, life, but right. she froze. That's the whole thing. She froze. And then there was a meeting and she, that, that she was in later on and did horribly. I mean, it was just not presenting anything helpful. And this guy was not involved in the investigation and had then been questioned about it later on and said, she sucked. Like that was not a good double agent. And she did. So it was a whole right. thing that of the framing of his perspectives, his perspective was built on uh, conferences and more, you know, round table thing versus this guy had an interview and had to, uh, sit him down sit down and take notes and record a conversation because this person was being put on a spotlight and figured out and she wasn't mm-hmm. caught until four years later like they blew this whole thing off yeah that's- because and then four years later they found stuff because it was like a mistake she made because she turned out to be sloppy and it's, it's mm. just and stuff there was another one with hitler and neville chamberlain neville chamberlain really trusted and i think two other people in his there was a guy halifax was also very involved in the in the war decision making i guess pre world war 2 yeah um yeah had to be uh, had to he be. totally misread hitler they hung out with him for hours i mean like days it was many experiences almost this a is week what, up. leading up to world war 2 leading up and to world are, war 2 are these who are these Halifax and uh... Neville Chamberlain was the prime minister of the Great Britain. I don't know why, or England. I don't know why I didn't oh. say that in the beginning. So, right. Okay. Yes. He's he, him before and, Churchill. Yes. This is, this is why he got a big part of why he got sent off was because he thought that uh, Hitler was going to chill and, attack Sudetland Sudet I can't remember what the the specific part of Europe go right there take that over and then relax calm that like stop <laughs> there his probably, ambition would probably stop Austria probably Austria I think it was I think Austria. it was out there yeah because they joined they were the first and that wasn't even considered a war they yeah. were like willingly taken over exactly um, they were just walked all over and and then well, I don't think I don't know about I don't even know if there was a a, a conflict. I think exactly. it was willingly. So like was the over. first conflict was really Poland. Yeah. Well, right, but if I, I just didn't walked over. I mean, if it's an agreement, I wouldn't say it's being walked over. But I mean, technically, yes, because you're taking over that country. Still, you're above that country in in that in that case. You see what I'm saying? 
I'm not saying necessarily you're stepped on. You're just being, you're on a level lower now. You are part of us instead of being your own thing. That's the whole thing that I'm seeing. Right. Okay. I see. Yeah. But I see what you're saying. Um, but the whole idea was that his ambition was misread. He thought that he was going to, um, he was going to just not continue, you know, wanting to take over the world, but he didn't <laughs> want to do that. He continued to wanted to do that. So there was, well, there was things that, and that, and that ended up screwing over England a lot that, that ended up not helping. So there was well, a lot that um, the fact that they laid off, they just didn't do anything because they knew first off, there was two things. There was one that was, we won't attack you because we we don't want to keep fighting we don't want to we only want to get over to this one place and then austria and hungary and then that's it just leave it and that Mm -hmm. didn't happen he continued on and and continued to do crazy shit so there was that's another part of this book and that just reminded me of that our convert like the first conversation we had was as total strangers and right there it was the confirmation of this default to truth we told the truth about who we are, what we've yeah, done right. and leading up to li- like what we like, all these things. I mean, I don't think we needed to lie. It was, we knew our pretenses. So that was the whole thing. If we don't know your, your pretense of why you can manipulate that to create a, an alternate reality for this person. And then they realize, Oh shit, that, that wasn't mm. true. You're That's, not really, yeah, you're not really, you're not you can't, really and then not, you can't trust you, that person. You aren't really who you are. There we go. Yes, yes. No, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of trust is actually telling the truth. I guess if, even if you don't verbally say it, you could still. There's an implied um, truth. So that's trust. the whole thing. It's the, gen- right. it's, it's actually, they, and they talk about evolutionarily too. We're not, this is not something that, no, this is something that can be, you know, um, genetically. I guess modify evolutionarily modified in that our wiring of our brain could think more reflexively and not trust. And everything you say is doubt. And there's this whole, and not necessarily everything is, is in doubt, but that you put into question the reality of what's being presented. And you then present your, the, the truth that you see, at least that is not, well, you know, cloaked in, in what, um, what was the person's interpretation versus what you see happening. Um, and this concept is in the book or go ahead. Uh, no, no, I was just going to, I was just going to jump in and say that that sounds a lot like animal instinct because exactly, exactly. Animal instinct. You don't necessarily, I mean, the trusting you, you well, the only thing you trust is whether that the other animal is going to, you know, be harmful to you or not. Um, but I, as humans, I think our trust takes into account a lot more, aspects and just uh you know kill or be killed isn't it anymore right yeah it's 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 evolved past that yeah that's not yeah it's crazy though that that exists on some like war like people and involved combat that kind of stuff ufc shit that there's a there's a sense of that like simplification of just you're gonna kill me i mean obviously it's the moment though you know, their life goes on after and leads up to it. So there's, there's not the entire life of fighting. Um, Mm -hmm. But even then there's, there's a version of it, but yeah, that totally, um, I hadn't thought, I kind of thought about it a little bit as animal instinct in that. I mean, 
I deal with cows. And if you walk up to one of our cows, they start, they, they, they look at you, they focus, They're scared, they become right? yeah, aware. Sure. Yeah. And someone described oh. it super simply. He just said they have a one track mind. And it's because the reason they're so reflexive is the tunnel vision. They're focused on one thing and that something I come into the frame of existence and you're, I hit one of your senses. You, I see you, you see me, you smell me, you feel me, you hear me. One of these things, you don't taste me, but <laughs> one of those things. No, sir. No, sir. Um, but one of those aspects like becomes impinged upon and then they they see you and then you see their ears pop up a little and then they'll back up and then they'll run away and like it's just this whole thing they get out of your way and that's the whole lacking of trusting it's an instinct for them that's all they act upon and then after that they're mm -hmm. just eating they're pooing and peeing they walk around a little bit occasionally but even the walking i mean you heard them they'll realize they're being hurted as they're being hurted <laughs> the most insane thing i've ever seen i think you'll see them. They say like, Oh, we're walking. Where are we going? That's basically the whole time. They just, that starts. And then it loops back again. Oh, we're walking. Do they ever get combative? Yes. Occasionally. Yes. If you get between their calf, them and their calf, they'll get pretty and pretty riled up. Um, also when we go tagging, when I was uh, telling you about before that we have to like, they, we tie them where cat rope them, or we use this hook, you catch a calf you have to then take it down, hold it, and so we can tag it and vaccinate it, or um, you know, and then take note of it and make sure whose mother it is. It's a whole process, mm -hmm. and but the part, um, what was I going to say? Oh, so I have to, I have to like hold their them down, hold their calf down while this cow is like fucking screaming at me. <laughs> they just, they don't do anything. They're just huge. I mean, they're twelve hundred pounds. Massive. Yeah. And they're powerful. Like if they wanted to run me over, they would murk me. I mean, they would do Well, those things me. that would probably weigh close. I mean, they'd absolutely destroy most. Yeah, they're up to like 1,500 Humans. pounds, man. So Okay, well, then there's not even, there's not it's even, not even close. close. No, dude. No. But their calves are like 70 pounds to 100 pounds to like 150 pounds now, actually. So we had to do something. I was like, fuck. I mean, it was, they were big. Some of them were big and you just got to pick them up and then pin them down, hold your knee onto them. It's a whole thing. Cause they're strong. They're really, you can like put your knee on their neck on certain parts yeah. of their neck. And they are so strong. There's just, their breathing continues as normal. And they don't, mm -hmm. you're not choking them. Now, if you get them like that's crazy, that's straight how that, on. Yeah. I see. Yeah. It's a whole, um, there's a whole technique to that, but that whole thing about um, them being getting riled up, there's that. Then also in the corral, it's a very tight space. So there's all these pens uh -huh. and, and alleys and things. And uh, if you try to stop them, then if there's, there's certain maneuvers, you get too aggressive or um, too jumpy, they will just run you over sometimes. Um, and luckily I have, run you over. They'll, they'll like run at you, your head first, and they'll just hate you and, uh, sometimes trample over you some sometimes just hate you and stop and um, I've only and or be kicked if you're behind them I've been kicked but I haven't been bodied off yet because I was told that that was like the first thing and I've made sure made sure not to be not to be too um, aggressive I guess like skittish they if you're skittish they're skittish mm. and you don't yeah, want a that's big thing, thing you skittish. want yeah no, they're, well, not, they're obviously not like harmful 
Like I could walk up to any cow if I just walk casually. They'll just leave. <laughs> leave the premises. That's how it goes. It's just get out of your way. You got like a force field around you to some extent. But um, this idea of a lacking of trust of an individual mm-hmm. or of anyone. Yeah. It's like if you kind of simplify it on you trust everyone or you trust no one. And then we're mm-hmm. somewhere we can float and humans can float in the middle because there is certain people that are skeptical. There's people that are uh, open-minded that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that they're trusting. No. There's people that are honest that expect other people to be honest. There's other pe- types of people like that. Um, but this type of person mentioned in the book is called the Holy Fool. I'm pretty sure it's um, an old story. And I'm blanking on what it's from. I don't know if it's Christianity. But it's a crazy thing. I just, um, I, I had just, I can't remember what the reference was. But, um. It's this uh, person in a society who tends to be more of an outcast and they tend to be more, um, I guess, uh, yeah, eccentric. They're, they, can do, they, they see how life really looks and they, do, they say it as it is. They tell you as it is and um, they, don't play, they don't play no bullshit, basically. And uh, this type of person, um, it's, it tells inconvenient truths. That's, that's how kind of I would most explain it they, they say that in the book and this person um can exist but if we had all of if everyone was that we would be cows we would be so untrustworthy untrustwilling yeah. um that we would just back off on any individual that comes up to us i would i would guess that most animals well it's just where you line up on the predator versus prey um like where you where you line up in that figure i'm not yeah. i'm not I'm blanking on the word what you call that gradation the chain um yeah like food, lion. Chain. food chain there you go that's the word <laughs> i haven't used that word in a while um, a- <laughs> food chain um yeah like where you where you where you fall in that and i mean humans arguably are at the top of the food chain um and that's because we understand you know, if we if we had the right capabilities to take down a lion every time, we wouldn't be scared of a lion necessarily, right? Like it, it that's why some people obviously are going to get eaten because they have <laughs> no way of protecting themselves. Yeah. But that, I guess that's the one thing humans have an advantage of is they can create things that can uh, shift the spectrum. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, man. This um, I keep talking about this book, but. It's just an interesting thing that we you brought up about that made me think about like um, going back to this podcast, you know, wanting to interview people and shit like that, trying mm-hmm. to trying to talk to because uh, now I've seen it more as trying to talk to people that I find interesting. Mm-hmm. It's still in the stage of um, talking to my friends who I find interesting. Right, and that's that's I going. Appreciate that. I mean, Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> More than anything, this is this is a great thing to do because, um, for example, you know you can. It's it's more than just a conversation, you know. It's it's mm-hmm. it's um, I mean, at root, what it is is just a conversation, but it can be more because of the element that is, uh, the structure. There's a uh, scheduling. There is also yeah the fact that we're recording. That's a big other 
element of it. That's a huge, huge factor that you got to consider. Exactly. I mean, I'm sure our conversation would go differently if we subconsciously knew that we weren't being recorded, you know? Yeah. That's kind of a, a natural, it's a natural feeling to be put under pressure when it's actually something meaningful. Yeah. I think though, if we're in person, that will lose its, uh, that would lose a huge element of it. I think if I were to get the same people on, uh, mm-hmm. in, a, in an in-studio conversation, that would probably change the environment. What do you think of that? I, I think it would actually, it might be for the better. I, I would think, I mean, it, for one, you could probably have more people in a studio and, and, and the conversation would naturally flow better because you could see, you know, it's physical interactions as well. You see, you see hand gestures. It's very, you know, with the screen, you lose that sense of, you know, being present and reading facial expressions are, are a lot easier. And then you see how, you know, I'm fidgeting. I could be fidgeting. I might not be fidgeting. Like you see, mm. you tell, you, you, you give away certain hints about what you're thinking as well. So um, I think, I personally think if, if, if you were to continue this uh, when we are on campus or, you know, when you're able to, to have a certain spot, I think, um, I think you should continue that. And then, and then, even get into it in, in person. I think it would be, it would be fun. I think, I think it would be good. Yeah. I definitely but, think but then I'm going to try that. Go ahead. No, but then again, you can, if you want to keep it in the, in the form of a zoom interaction or, 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 you know, over a screen that, that also has some benefits too. Huh. So whatever, I mean, you're the leader of the podcast, it's your <laughs> podcast. So you, you get the, yeah. the, that's the beauty of it. You get to choose. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe that's a conversation for each guest might be, you know, preferred differently. I don't know. You think so? You think they'd prefer being on a computer ever? Well, I mean. Because personally. Obviously, I, obviously if, if, if in circumstances like these, when you don't have uh, the option, I guess you're kind of forced to yeah. be in front of a computer. But I, no, you're right. I think I think most people would choose to be in person. Um, yeah. Uh, that's that's you're probably right on that that's what i was just thinking like given the option what would i do and it was the way you framed it was like saying yeah no it makes sense that you'd want to be in person but i could see people who would rather have zoom and i'm like yeah that like no but yes and that and that you could i understand too i mean the physical interaction everything you just described touches on the fact that you um you get more of a of an experience of this person versus just the voice that you're seeing and the image of this person on the screen. So honestly, I do think I the qu- way I wanted to pose that question was obviously I do think that that changes the environment of the conversation. I was just wondering how you say how you see something like that because me, like you press record and then you just you know walk and there's no sign that you're recording anymore, and that right there might change um how you how you interact ah. um no um, i agree i mean for me personally like i like i said i, I prefer in person that's you know, whether that has to do with class or just interviews it's all um it's it's in person for me i i like mm-hmm. real interactions you know in, in, in yeah. a real world setting rather than over screen I'll, I'd, I'd prefer that every single time um, i agree i agree that's just where i'm better at too naturally yeah, I think everyone, uh, there might not be actually, because it's easier 
to just not, I don't know how to say this, but like your natural self without being able to read someone, how that would be is kind of generalized over a lot of people because maybe you don't see them. Maybe they're not showing their, their face on the screen and you're just talking to a computer. Maybe. Yeah. Well, that's, that's essentially a phone call even. Yeah, exactly. The only difference between me calling on the phone right now is, and, and this zoom is that I'm, I have a mic, I have headphones obviously, and I have my computer and Mm -hmm. that gives me the screen to see all of you and record this at the same time. It's a crazy thing, man. It's just it like, cause I'm not, I'm so far from you. That's <laughs> such a crazy No, well, it's, it, that's the idea. beauty of technology. It's very, yeah. like, that allows us to do it. I mean, having a face-to-face interaction even over a screen is going to be better than a phone call or just through, through um, AirPods or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's still, um, yeah, I mean, it, that's. It's good vibes. It is. Yeah. It is indeed. Yeah. Um, something I, I wanted to talk about because we're in the swing of things and we had, I had wanted to mention this was the idea of, um, no, no, not the, the experience of having thoughts that question the nature of reality, almost not, not of a, of a setting of something, you know, um, the possibility of, or, or the, variation of or the questioning of something for example um like i was telling you about the whole gravity and anti-gravity um concepts and i mean how gravity exists and how it um relates to the the way we experience earth and how Mm -hmm. like if you were to flip a switch right now like a whole anti-gravity thing how would we what would we have and like the the people who are more (laughs) <laughs> like you'd get caught or maybe the, I don't know. It's just like being caught, you know, at some point you're just like out in nature and there's no trees anymore and you have nothing to sustain you to keep you from coming down to the ground. Like, blown how, away if we didn't have gravity. It's, away. it's almost like the, it's almost like the moon. I mean, it is like the moon. Much like, in a gravity. sense. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't it where you just can't really walk because unless you have enough weight carrying on you, but if you don't, or there's right. something sustaining you down, isn't it? Isn't it outside of that? You're just, you're just well, floating. Like outer, I mean, in outer space, you yeah. you are floating without. Yeah. Well, I'm saying on the moon. No too, air, right. so. Right. On yeah. the, I mean, on the moon, it's it's. Yeah. Right. It's in the middle of Earth and and uh, just floating in space. Yeah. I think yeah. Gra- gravitationally. It's floating like its source of uh, what's the what's the word rounding going around something like that, that source of gravitation pull orbit. Yes. Orbit of its orbit. Yeah. Orbiting. Um, its source of orbit is earth. Earth's source of orbit mm-hmm. is, is uh, the sun. And so that right there is just crazy. <laughs> That's a crazy, <laughs> I just thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's our solar system it is our solar system but then then do you think on a on a greater scale of no way if the milky way is like another 
not solar system, but system of, of constant. Like I bet Milky Way is not just a sitting piece of space. They're all probably moving somehow. No, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's all being stat. It's never yeah. static or always static. The one where it's constantly sh- changing. Oh, entropy is always never occurring. static. Never, never, static. never static. Never, yes, never. Yes. Ne- yeah, it is always moving. Never complacent. <laughs> no, definitely. Yeah. Well, so a thought that I had that I had written down um, and I figured I had not thought about this for uh-huh. a long time. It was the idea of like natural medicine versus artificial mes- medicine and uh-huh. how there has been in, in, I don't know much about, I'm not a mycologist, so I don't know much about this, but mycology is the study of mushrooms, fungi, and the, mm-hmm. uh, in, in their billions of applications because there's so many different t- kinds of um, fungi that exist, fungi. I actually don't know. People say, say fungi said, and fungi. Well, People say both. And you said this is in relation to to ecology, natural medicine. Mycology natural. is oh, is oh mycology. My, I, I, yes. I, that's always clarifying. Yeah, My, yeah, yeah. Mycology. Got it. Yes, mycology. And uh there's been different like there's a bunch of companies now, like this one I use, which is called um fungi fungi perfecti and host defense mushrooms. And they they have different kinds of existing fungi that exist that have different influences on an individual person. The thing is, is that this is so minor, you know, there's, there's things that influence your mental clarity, your nervous system, your physical achings, um, your, uh, it's like a caffeine type, but not caffeine necessarily. And that the addictiveness, cause there's no addictive quality because of how, um, less, much less effective, not effective. What's the word? Potent. Say potent. potent okay. say, yes. The most real potent thing that we know are psilocybin mushrooms. And then there's really? also the mushrooms that can kill you. No, there's other types. Like I'm saying, as far as positive influence or change while living, like if you don't die or you don't just eat them, like there's portobello mushrooms that you just eat. Right. And okay. then there's, I don't know what kind of wild mushrooms exist, but there's many that kill you that look a lot at, like each other that if you eat, you just, that's terrible for you enough amount. If you eat enough of them, you die. And there's mm-hmm. you know, psychedelic mushrooms that those, those do a whole other thing, a whole nother game in and of itself. So, um, but going, coming back to these more, more medicine types other than, other than mm-hmm. psychedelics, because that's just such a different uh, version of medicine in today's age. But then there's artificial medicines. And in this, uh, in what in our environment in our world that um, are very potent because they're very directed. They're built on knowledge that we have about the brain or about the body, about our physiology that will change. So you can have antidepressants. You can have, um, you can have uh, what's the word? Not pain relievers. Um, anesthetics. You can have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's other versions of this kind of stuff, but they, what they do is they have a function that specifically goes after one neurotransmitter, one uh, right. area of the brain and how that influences that person is probably very specific as far as, mm-hmm. as far as like the experiences of that are different, but what it does it, is always the same. Yeah. They and, how, so. and how it functions is, okay. is always, is changes but natural medicines i was thinking about this theory generally i guess a hypothesis of mm-hmm. of uh the these existing mushrooms that that are um in our 
in existence within um, within fungi perfecti. They they have a certain like there's certain um, what is the word? It functions, I guess, but there is certain benefits that. Can you not hear me anymore? Did your headphones die? So the, what is going on? Hold on a minute. All right. We just had some technical difficulties there. For some reason, Bark could not hear me, which was very crazy. Oh, just saw Nico's mouth moving and no sound <laughs> coming out. So I guess it should be all sorted now. Yes, yes. I can hear you and you can hear me. Unless the recording just misses all this and lies to me. See? We'll see. But yeah, yeah anyway, you were talking about state, state of nature. Yeah. So, well, the idea, yeah, the general idea was um, of natural medicine versus artificial medicine and how in a, in a state of nature, these, these kinds of um, opportunities are much more available because mushroom in nature, I'm saying physical nature, not necessarily mm -hmm. of um, just outside of society. I mean, if a society was in nature, but as, as we've seen societies, we built cities. So right there, that's a differentiation nature, as far as um, the, the, physical earth so that's that's kind of where i want to like divide that um right and how we as a society as the more um really i mean even out on the ranch they, there is a lot less um interaction with nature because you just don't want to go hunting you don't want to go camping all the time like you occasionally right. do but it's nothing like that so this idea of of um how we have strayed so far from nature and, and the differences and um, influences that nature is used to have. Now it doesn't, I mean, weather doesn't affect a lot of people. Like if, if it's raining and you live in New York, mm -hmm. you're still going mm -hmm. to work. You're not, yeah, oh, raining, that's true. day off, you know? Yeah. I guess, I guess. Yeah. In, in, in that sense, you, you get accustomed to your environment. Yeah, I guess that's the interplay between humans and, and nature, though. I get you, you, you get accustomed to, mm -hmm. um, you know, your surroundings. I guess that goes for most animals. As long as you're able to survive, you know, you can get accustomed yeah. to your surroundings. And how much you change, like you're accustoming and you're changing, and how we have really um, changed. Because I, I've thought about this a little bit. The, the idea of nature um, being as human, because we're physical, biological organisms, that. Mm -hmm we don't know where we came from. We don't know how it happened. Like we haven't, we have hindsight that generally looks at how it happened, but we couldn't tell you what's going to happen next either. We can tell you like, this is, we have cutoff points, the Neanderthals, and then just, it kind of fucks off. And then we weren't connected with them. And there's time yeah. periods where we just miss things by smart margins because we can't record everything. So we have this all, we have changed expectations of individuals and people. And it's all this whole thing of um, how, that is still nature though. You know, we, there, yes. it's not like there is any other way, you know, we didn't, there's not another way that more people doing something together is going to do it in that way, build taller buildings, more buildings, have access to those buildings, you know, have more cars, have all the more technology to get you and connection with these buildings and these people in those buildings and all those things and how, we haven't seen anywhere else where if you get enough people, you get a, a million people in one common area, it won't turn mm -hmm. into a city. It will turn into a city. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
that's just yeah. that's just the nature of civilizations too yeah and, and yeah. humans you can yeah that's part of adapting agreed mm-hmm. and a big agreed. a big striation has been this whole um whole efficacy of of our our medicines and and natural medicines so it's um it's a weird thing to take note of oh yeah because we were t- i was saying i was talking about how you have i was talking telling you that i um big part of this podcast is just writing down random thoughts that I have and then trying to figure out how to articulate them in a good way. And I think, I guess I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> well, I I'm mean, trying. <laughs> that, that's, that's what, I mean, as am I, like, that's mm-hmm. like, I, I, that's, I, aren't we all? It's a constant learning curve. That's really what that's really what podcasts are. So, they are. And speaking of, I, you know, yeah, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. I was about uh, to say to wrap this up. This has been a good way to good place to step off from. So thanks. This has been a lot of fun. And we're gonna. No, I I I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, you know, we hit a lot of different points, which I think uh, I think was awesome. Um, and it was good, great catching up to you beforehand as well. I mean, I, I miss you. It's been it's been like you said over a year. So. You know, it's always good catching up with uh, with a teammate, or, you know, a brother. So it's thanks again for having me on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always happy to have a brother on, man. It's it's really good to see you and uh, get to talk to you. Although this wasn't prompt to, and we're limited, and we both have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's it's not helping. It's not helping that um, you know we're limited in our in our experience. But you know, it, it's been like you said, it's been a lot of fun, man, and. Um, Hopefully we can have more conversations in the future. So uh, thanks for coming on and thanks everyone.